The Bible does not say that our changed hearts, our progress in the Christian life, our spiritual achievements cleanse us from our sin. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins. From the cross to the chalice to you. The New Testament in his cup. The forgiveness of all your sins. God's grace and his mercy be upon you this joyous Reformation Sunday. I've titled this homily, The Blood of Jesus. The Blood of Jesus. It is a joyful day, of course, but we are all somewhat sorrowing that we weren't able to enjoy our typical Oktoberfest with the Lutheran beer, which every year reminds me of one of the great statements of Luther who says, I slept and drank Wittenberg beer while the word of God accomplished everything. <laughs> and that is true today as well. It is the word of God that accomplishes everything. And for our meditation today, we focus on that word of God. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. Boy, have we ever been reminded this week, as if we needed any more reminder, that it is not obedience to the Pope that cleanses us from our sins. No doubt you have heard that obedience to the Pope would have you obeying him as he opens up civil homosexual unions and further liberalizes the church and drags Christians away from God and his ordering of creation, which is just the last in a long strain. Of course, before that, it was the pedophilia cover-up. Before that, it was countless new doctrines, false doctrines, that Christians are supposedly bound to believe on pains of damnation. And before that, well, the Pope anathematized the very gospel itself, anathematized not only Jesus and St. Paul and the other apostles, but countless faithful church fathers as well. So, no, it is not obedience to the Pope, thanks be to God, that cleanses us from our sins. Nor is it obedience to man-made laws, be they man-made laws in the church or man-made laws in the state. We obey them where and when we can, we obey God and not man, but never, never do we think that our obedience cleanses us from all our sins. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. And so, too, in this day and age, we must remind ourselves also that we are not cleansed of our sins by towing the right political line, by aligning ourselves with the right political party or ideals. This, too, is no way to cleanse our consciences from our sins. We need an answer that is outside of us and above us, an answer that serves for all times and all places, and that answer is the blood of Jesus, because the blood of Jesus alone cleanses us from all our sins. When we have, as a culture and as individuals, when we have feared, loved, and trusted in just about everything except for God, when we have fear, loved, and trusted politics and politicians 
and the outcome of elections, when we have feared, loved, and trusted science and so-called scientific knowledge and advancement, medical breakthroughs, when we have feared, loved, and trusted constant technological development, and this idea that we will simply march perpetually in progress unto greater and greater technological utopia, when we have feared, loved, and trusted celebrities and entertainment and social media and our own egos, when we have feared, loved, and trusted our own desires and the desire to continually reinvent ourselves as if we were godlike in whatever way, shape, or form we think is acceptable or popular or cool, when we have feared, loved, and trusted our own sense of pleasure and our own relentless pursuit of happiness, when each individual has lived as if God did not matter and as if I mattered most. Who can cleanse us from our sins? What can cleanse us from our sins? Only the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus blots out all of our iniquities. Only the blood of a Jesus can make atonement. Propitiation is the word we heard in our epistle text today. Atonement, propitiation for all our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the entire world. Only the blood of Jesus can make us acceptable and pleasing in God's sight. Only the blood of Jesus can grant us the peace that passes understanding. Peace with God. In order to save us, each one of us individually and all of us together as a human race, it took nothing less than the cross. Nothing less than this profoundest of all acts of selflessness and selfless love as God's own Son gives himself up for us and sheds his blood to cleanse us from all our sins. In this day and age of relentless consumerism, where everything just seems to be a consumeristic choice, we find ourselves from time to time answering the question, why Lutheranism? And if we're willing to acknowledge those presuppositions for the sake of the conversation and give answer, why Lutheranism? One answer would simply be this. Because Jesus is at the center. Jesus and him crucified. Not Jesus, the skinny-jeaned life coach. Not Jesus, the Hawaiian shirt-wearing entertainer. Not Jesus, clad in papal garments, contradicting the very word of God. ...and risen. Jesus in word and sacrament. Jesus, the Savior of sinners. Jesus, the crucified and risen Jesus for you. 
and Jesus who is making all things, including you, new. In order to set this world right, it will take nothing less than the death and resurrection of each and every one of us. Indeed, the heavens and the earth brought to nothing and remade into that which is entirely new. What more hated, what more ignored group on earth is there than the Lutherans? The Roman Catholics say we went too far and blame us for everything. The Protestants say we didn't go far enough and blame us for everything. As Clint Eastwood said in Grand Torino, everyone blames the Lutherans. <laughs> well and good. For we are blamed and hated by the so-called church and by the whole world precisely because of that gospel which our Lord himself has given us to preach. From the cross to the chalice to you, the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all your sins. And of course, we Lutherans are hardly the only ones who have preached this. In the first century, St. Paul wrote, For there is no distinction... For all have fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. There's a first century witness. And in the second century, Ignatius wrote, Though you have not seen Him, you believe in Him with an inexpressible and glorious joy, knowing that by grace you have been saved, not because of works, but by the will of God through Christ Jesus. And in the third century, Origen said, You see that the apostle does not glory on account of his own righteousness, or his own purity, or his own wisdom, nor because of his other virtues and deeds. Far be it from me to glory, he says, except in the cross of Christ. And the fourth century, Ambrose said, I will glory not because I am righteous, but because I am redeemed. I will glory not because I am free from sins, but because my sins are forgiven me. I will not glory because I have done good, but because Christ is my advocate with the Father and because the blood of Christ has been shed for me. And so it goes. There's four centuries. I could go on and on, but I won't test your patience. Paul, Ignatius, Origen, Ambrose, Augustine, Gregory, Anselm, one of Luther's favorite preachers, Bernard, Luther himself, Chemnitz, Walther, Pieper, and countless others all proclaiming this central truth. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse us from our sins. Only the blood of Jesus brings forgiveness, life, and salvation that is ours to enjoy and live in and thrive in even now. The Lutheran Reformation never was about starting a new church. The Lutheran Reformation was about reforming and restoring the church to what it, at its core, had always been.
We must be and remain that church which has existed not for 500 years, but for 2,000 years. Indeed, for millennia before that, that church which was born when God said to the serpent in the garden, the seed of the woman will crush your head. For with those words, God himself was preaching Christ. And so Adam and Eve, in believing those words, became the very first Christians. The Old Testament is full of Christian saints, as is the New. For with these words, God promises that the Messiah will come. The one whom Paul says God will put forth as a propitiation by his blood meaning that the blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross is all-sufficient because it is the blood that God himself puts forth. It is God himself who declares that this blood makes atonement for all our sins. For Abraham, the idolater, for Jacob, the deceiver, for Moses, the murderer, for David, the adulterer, for Zechariah, the thief, for Peter, the denier, for Paul, the persecutor of the church, for you with all your sins and for me with all mine. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. May this eternal gospel go forth to all who dwell on earth, And let us do precisely as that great angel of Revelation 14 says. Let us fear God and give him glory. For the hour of judgment has come. And let us worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.